Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Johnston Yellen, aka the Whiskey Wizard. And as Joshua likes to say in the One Nation Under Whiskey podcast, I'm joined today, I'm joined as always, mm. by Joshua Hatton, aka the Whiskey Cherub. It's really lovely to be here, Jason. It really is. In Extra Extra. <laughs> One of us brings a new story to the attention. Should I say it's lovely to have you, or was that redundant? It's, you know what, let's just move on. Apparently it's not it lovely is. enough to have me. So, <laughs> In each episode of Extra Extra, one of us brings a whiskey news story to the attention of the other. We read it for the first half of the episode, we riff on it for the second half, and we try to get out of here in a tight 30, sometimes 35 or like the last episode, a tight 49. <laughs> sometimes we like to include both tracks where each of us speaks. And sometimes we just throw in the odd floor cuttings and just mm. let it sit however it's. You know, we only have so much time in this episode, Jason, so let's try to just keep it short, right? Because we're doing if, things a little different this with this episode, if, right? So, If you, dear listener, got a faulty version of the last episode of Extra Extra, please go back, please re-download. The correct version is there. And, and I think you were saying in One Nation Under Whiskey, Joshua, listeners can look for V2.0. Correct. So it will say Season 2, Episode 7, V2.0. Correct. Lovely. So we got a lot of good feedback. We got such good feedback from the last episode of Extra Extra. We went ahead and really dedicated an entire One Nation Under Whiskey to our own response mm, to it. Yeah. So, good whiskey should promote good conversation. And I think the last episode of Extra Extra and the last episode of One Nation Under Whiskey did exactly that. Speaking of, what are we conversing about today, Joshua? It's your turn to bring the news to my and our attention. Well, uh, as I mentioned previously, we, we are doing this episode slightly differently, only because what I found, well, first off, there's not a ton happening in the news, like huge, huge stories. Yeah. But there are a couple of stories that, that have a bit of weight to them, and I think that there is a bit of a connection to them as well. So I, I thought what we might do is bring one story to the listeners in the first half, have a little riff, then into the second half of the episode, bring in the second story, have a second little riff on that, and, and see if see if I am correct in that there is a connection between these two stories, as tenuous as okay. it may be. Yeah, I'm ready to see this. I will say, just as you say, there is no big news at this time of year, and I, I do agree with you. I did think the news of Georgie Crawford leaving the new Port Ellen project to join Sukinder Singh and Elixir Distillers Isla Distillery project was pretty stonking big news. Yes, that is However, true. However, perhaps we'll have an opportunity to unpack that in a future One Nation Under Whiskey rather than an extra extra. Oh, you're so good at teasing. You're so good at teasing. So... Uh, you know, the other thing is I, I wanted to put a little focus on American spirits because we don't we really don't focus on American spirits much. It tends to be that other category. American spirits. Stay away from me. So the first American one. American spirit. 
Pirates? The first one is, and, and I'm not going to lie, right? Both of them are, um, I'm not bringing great news <laughs> to you or oh, to our listeners. Well, thank you. <laughs> so the first right story uh, was released March 31st of this year. So it, it happened a few weeks ago, but the news hasn't changed. And this is in the spirits business, a, an article written by Nicola Carruthers, who we've read from before. The headline reads, U.S. craft distillers sales halved in 2020. And the subheader mm. reads, craft distillers... Did something happen in, in 2020? What's that? Something happened in 2020? That I'm aware of. Hmm. I mean, it seemed like, you know... Maybe we'll learn. Business maybe we'll as learn more about it in the story. Yeah, maybe. So the subheader reads, craft distillers in the U.S. saw revenue drop by 55% in 2020 after tasting rooms were closed due to the pandemic, according to a new survey. And we definitely know that this was something that was crushing distilleries. And our friends, um, you know, Scott and Becky Harris at Catoctin Creek were really hit hard until thankfully the state of Virginia allowed them a new license to be able to to sell and, and ship from their location. So anyway, I'm getting on a bit of a tangent. Let's go into the story. For the benefit of our listeners, I'm sitting here quietly nodding my head mm. to everything you just said. It's amazing you being quiet. The survey by the American Distilling Institute, a.k.a. the ADI, and, and I'll keep on referring to them as the ADI here on out, was conducted in January 2021 and included feedback from 269 distilleries across 42 states and the District of Columbia. The ADI survey of its members found that 36% reported revenues were down by more than a quarter. The declining sales were due to the fall in on-site revenue after many distilleries were forced to close their tasting rooms in 2020. Furthermore, 61% said the revenues through online sales were down. Mm. ADI President Eric Owens said, quote, Craft distillers rely so heavily on tours, tasting rooms, and local bars and restaurants, and all of those sales opportunities were lost for many months. He continues, Consumers wanted to get the support of their local distillers, and one way they did that was to buy a bottle of spirits to have it shipped to them often along with hand sanitizer made by the distillery. And now this second half of the article has, has a, a sub-subheader, and it's just a quick line that says DTC, quote, saving grace. So DTC stands for direct-to-consumer. Mm-hmm. So DTC, DTC shipping has been a critical revenue stream for distillers during COVID-19, the ADI said. Six states have passed DTC measures to permit craft distilleries to ship their products to consumers. Those who were able to use DTC shipping, that is not easy to say, DTC, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, okay, said the, <laughs> the revenue stream generated an average of 39% of their total sales with an overwhelming amount of customers from their local state. In the states, and here's a quote from Owens, in the states where direct-to-consumer shipping of spirits is allowed, craft distillers 
report that it has been a saving grace and a significant source of much-needed revenue. Owens continues, the pandemic has completely changed the way consumers shop. To be successful moving forward, distillers must have the freedom and flexibility to ship their spirits. If that is how their consumers want to purchase and receive them, he continues, distillers are urging their state lawmakers to pass laws allowing direct-to-consumer shipping of spirits permanently to meet this new consumer expectation and to compete in this rapidly changing marketplace. I, I have something I want to say about that, so, so re- remind me to talk about DTC. In addition, 78% of craft distillers report that three-quarters or more of their sales were to in-state consumers. Nearly 69% of craft distillers claimed their wholesaler does not provide brands with the necessary time and attention. Meanwhile, 42% reported that it was difficult to find a wholesaler in their state. And then this is the, uh, the final sentence here. The survey found that 62% of craft distillers who sell their products out of their home state said it was difficult to find a wholesaler and 77% said their out-of-state wholesaler does not give the brands the proper amount of attention seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before we go too far into this, let's pivot back to what you wanted to say about DTC. You know, I think there's a lot of American distillers that are quite jealous of the American wine industry where you could be a, a, a vineyard, you could be a winemaker, and you can sell right out of the, the winery. You can ship out of the winery, usually to in-state, but I think some wineries, depending on the state, will allow to ship into multiple states. And mm-hmm. I never understood why the delineation between a, a, a fermented product, wine, versus a distilled product, spirits. And I, and I think that, that breweries enjoy the same thing that wine does, where you can, you can buy there and they can, they can ship locally. The, the, I could be wrong there, but I think in some states yeah. that's allowed. Uh, I don't, Just I don't, as you were, as you were yeah. bringing it up about breweries, I was trying to think myself there and... Yeah, maybe we shouldn't speculate too much there. We do know yeah. for, for certain that, that wine has been allowed yeah. to do that yep. for quite a while. And and it's it's been a boon for them, right? That That's fantastic. There's so many great wineries, vineyards that are producing product. And, and like they had said, uh, what Nicola had reported here, where you have these distillers that feel they're not getting the attention that they need from their distributors to to make any dent within new markets. And so what do you do when you're dealing with a distributor that, you know, not to fault them, but distribution houses tend to have pretty wide portfolios and smaller, more efficient teams that they 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 can't they can't sell all the things all the time, right? Correct. And and it's it's the big movers, right? Is a consumer going to buy a Rittenhouse rye over a Catoctin Creek rye, right? What's easier to sell? And and that's the situation that I think 
a lot of these smaller producers run into. And boy, how helpful it would be to them to be given this DTC right to, to, to ship directly to the consumer, even if it's within the state, right? That, that The state will still be able to collect the taxes it needs, but now the distillery has the opportunity to make the sales that it was simply losing out on. Well, and it's, it's interesting because if you look at what happened in 2020 with the closing of tasting rooms, a craft distiller's business is DTC. Yeah. It's in-person DTC. Yeah. If you take away the tasting room, if you take away the tours and you take away the DTC, we were lucky. And, and I know distillers put in a lot of hard work on this in the state of Virginia to have the shipping become the version of DTC yeah. that allowed them to continue to make money. It's interesting that other states, as you say, even just to ship within state boundaries mm-hmm. isn't always allowed. Like that's, that's mental. That's absolutely crazy. I would love to further that conversation and get onto shipping across state boundaries. But that's clearly a conversation for another day if we're busy trying to allow shipping within state boundaries. Well, right, and this is simply the issue, is the U.S. is set up, you know, our listeners in in Australia and the U.K. and various European countries may hear this and say, God, why, why is it so goddamn difficult in the U.S.? <laughs> and the reason it's so difficult is we have two systems. We have our federal system which you would think would be the overarching if the if if the federal government says you could do a b and c you would think everybody has to comply to that and the fact of the matter is no we are a states rights nation that's why there are certain states where cannabis is legal even though federally speaking it's hmm. illegal but certain states do allow cannabis legal cannabis sales and so it's just sort of the opposite with whiskey now, right? You, you have the federal government that doesn't really have too much of an issue, you know, writ large, but allows the states to make their own governing decisions on, on these products. Before we get out of this story and pivot to the next, mm-hmm. when you saw that number, this, this loss of really half their revenue, what did you think when you saw that number? That there is going to be a lot of copper available on the market mm. <laughs> is it going to be recycled is it going to be repurposed these this is people this is this is families mm-hmm. and and this is this is small american business that you know just simply due to laws that were likely written back in the 30s are being negatively affected because because things change, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. unfortunately, laws yeah. are not evolving the way our modern society and consuming um, habits uh, have, have evolved. Yep. Yeah. And you? My mind went towards how important that food traffic is. And I've been saying it about beer for a long time, is if you open a new brewery today, plan on being local. Plan on, on really winning over your county and then stretch beyond that. But imagine you're going to be, you'll see great success within your own state. Mm-hmm. 
but don't go looking across boundaries. And to hear this about tasting rooms and tours speaks to craft distilling really having a very similar model. Then hearing we can't really get wholesalers to pay attention to us. We can't really get wholesalers Mm. to represent us. We have to put the power back into the hands of the distillery owners. And yes, you could try to become a big deal within your own state and then maybe look at neighbouring states. It's going to be hard to take on the entire US. And then, and I do this professionally as I set you up for the next story, Joshua, it's very difficult to send overseas and build your reputation overseas. That's already difficult. Mm. Having punitive tariffs on top of that makes it even more so. With that said, what's our next story, Joshua? I'll tell you as soon as this little musical interlude is done. next story I found in the New York Post. And and like the other one I read, this this one's from right. late March. It's from Gosh, March 20th. I don't 20th. even trust the date in the New York Post. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't often uh, seek out stories from the, from the New York Post. <laughs> it's a daily for you? You get it delivered to your oh, doorstep uh, in Connecticut? Your butler irons it and then presents it to you with the morning tea? Um, yeah. So this article is written by one Lisa Fickenshear. And the the headline reads, U.S. whiskey makers about to get soaked by higher tariffs. (laughs) I know, I know we love talking about tariffs, but it really, I think that there is a bit of a connection here. And it helps. I didn't even notice the tariffs. I was so distracted by that absolutely horrific headline. This is the problem with the New York Post. However, the only reason why I stuck with this, Jason, is that our friends Scott and Becky Harris are in this article and they're oh, pictured well. in oh. this article. Okay. Oh, you have me. You have my attention again. This is a slightly longer article. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm, I'm going to read uh, the, the parts that I think... Um, make the most sense to what what's in discussion here. And so Lisa Fickenshear starts it off saying, former President Trump's lingering trade wars are about to soak American whiskey makers, even as the rest of the booze industry, sorry, U.S. booze industry, celebrates a recent lifting of tariffs on wine, vodka, and rum. Major U.S. whiskey brands from Woodford Reserve to Jim Beam and Maker's Mark have been on the rocks since... Look at that. Look at that. Here's the good news. Her use of rocks makes much more sense than her use of soaked. Soaked makes no sense here. Rocks at least make sense. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right? So they've been on the rocks since 2018 over... Massive 25% tariffs imposed on their sales to Europe and to the United Kingdom thanks to a Trump-era war on steel and aluminum imports. Now, even as the Biden administration works to rebuild U.S. trade relations with Europe and the U.K., tariffs on U.S. whiskeys are poised to double 
on June 1 to 50%. By That's terrible zero. News. Terrible. Dis- June 1. Gosh. June 1, yep. That's Haida's birthday. Look at that. Happy birthday, Europe. Mazel. Um, distillers say that their sales to Europe, a key market for whiskey, will be... You're going to love this. You're going to love this, Jason. Will be put on ice indefinitely if that happens. I tell you, Lisa's got away with words. I'm loving this. She's. This is like the dad jokes of journalism. It's just pun after pun. I, I really, I'm enjoying this, and I hope you and the listeners are too. There's a poster in a current commercial that says, dad jokes are no joke. <laughs> dad jokes is true. Serious business. Um, I'll I'll just go on uh, a little further. A fifty percent tariff would make us so uncompetitive with a thirty dollar bottle in the U.S. Mm-hmm. costing sixty mm-hmm. euros that I mm-hmm. won't be able to ship product to Europe anymore," says Michael Langan, the general manager of Yellow Rose Distilling of Houston. Yellow Rose's shipments to Europe fell by five-fold to just 1,000 cases last year as a result to the tariffs, Langan said. If the 50% tariffs kick in, his U.S. imports to Europe will fall to zero, he said, and bouncing back will be tough. Mm-hmm. Just read, read just a little bit more. And this is a quote from Langan. Uh, American whiskey is losing market share and shelf space in Europe to competitors from Japan and Asia who are taking our place. That was him lamenting. Mm -hmm. U.S. whiskey exports to Europe were on the rise before the tariffs went into effect, up 28% for the first six months of 2018, according to the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, a.k.a. Discus. Since then, however, U.S. whiskey exports have fallen by 37% to Europe and by 53% to the U.K., a trade group said. Among those suffering are Brown Foreman, the makers of Jack Daniels, which has been absorbing much of the added cost in an effort to not lose market share, suffering profit margin declines in the process. But even a company like Brown Foreman, which also makes Woodward Reserve and Finlandia Vodka, finds the impending 50% tariff hard to swallow. At a tariff rate of 25%, we decided to shield our European customers whenever possible, uh, Chief Executive Lawson Whiting told Politico on March 11. Everyone can imagine that. At a rate of 50%, suddenly that shielding becomes much more difficult. Brown Foreman is headquartered in Kentucky, the birthplace of bourbon, a type of whiskey that relies heavily on corn for its distinctive sweet flavor. Kentucky is also the home state of noted Trump ally Senator uh, Mitch McConnell, which is a big reason the whiskey industry was targeted by the European trade representatives in the first place, experts said. The Trump administration took a very aggressive posture with the EU, and as a result, that contributed to the EU being very targeted at the time on where to apply pressure points, Chris Swanger, chief executive of the Distilled Spirits Council, told The Post. There's a lot of whiskey made in Kentucky. It's not just Kentucky that's suffering, however. 
There are 37 states that export whiskeys overseas, and distillers from Virginia to New York mm-hmm. say they are feeling the pain. That's mm-hmm. where I'll end it. There, there's quite a bit more. If anybody's interested in, in reading the rest of this article, again, it's in the New York Post, and it was written by Lisa Fickenshear on March 28th, 2021. You mentioned at opening that our good friends Scott and Becky are pictured in that article. Yeah. Are they also quoted in there? You know what they are? Hold on once. Yeah, here it is. Um, it's just a yeah, short... Give me that piece. Yeah, it's just a short bit. Um says the ter- and, and there's a an, an, an opening sentence that leads into it so let me read that okay the tariffs have also poured cold water oh look at your face i knew you'd love that mm. cold water on exports at catoctin creek distilling a percival virginia distillery whose internationally recognized hooch is sold at manhattan's popular aster wine and spirits mm-hmm. catoctin creek's whiskeys currently generate about $10,000 in sales from Europe versus several million in sales prior to the tariff. Quote, we had predicted that our overseas sales would double in 2018 to 22%, said Scott Harris, Catoctin Creek's founder. And he told the Post, but now it's at about a half a percent. Good grief. So when you just quoted a moment ago, 10,000 being down from millions that was just european business just european exports or global exports for them uh no that's how i read it it says in sales from europe hmm. okay so they're currently at ten thousand after being millions after being millions yep yep good grief yep that's scary that's what did you say in the first half that's people that's families. Mm-hmm. That's businesses, obviously. Just right, and and you know, he, here's the thing. I, I, listen, I'm I'm not about to defend Europe, uh, but you understand how these things happen. There was this out of the blue tariff on steel to Europe. There were that really took our some of our strongest allies by surprise. And it just became this silly tit-for-tat thing. And, and that's dangerous, right? That's, that's, that's really dangerous, not just for American producers, but, you know, on the European side, right? The steel producers. That's family. Those are people, right? And, and it's... We, we've said it many times. Tariffs are never good. They don't... They don't help people. Think about really quickly. Think about what tariffs are doing globally. To right now, there is currently a global shipping container shortage, which is tied to a few things. One of them being a two hundred and fifty-ish percent tariff onto Chinese goods from the U.S. If the Chinese can't ship their product over to the U.S. because there are tariffs in place, well, those containers are going to stay. They're not going to be out there to be reused and reused and reused, right? This this is a huge, huge problem that um, that has more effect than I think 
we fully understood when these decisions were made to apply these tariffs. Yeah. yeah and the fact that tariff decisions were made pre-coronavirus, right? What a double whammy mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Scott and Becky to deal with as one data point among thousands. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yep. Like, as you're busy trying to deal with, hmm, what does this mean for our projections on exports to Europe because of retaliatory tariffs? And then you say, oh, crap, our tasting room is shutting down. Our food traffic is going away. That is nightmarish, absolutely nightmarish. And here we are still sitting with consequences from coronavirus and here we are still sitting with just an absolute crisis in tariffs and here we are watching the clock again christ we were just here four or five months ago talking about the countdown to december 31 with the the fet you know and what would that look like what a year what a 12 13 months it's been for Producers in America. Yeah, well, let's let's look at it this way, and I don't think that this is the proper way to look at it. But you know, in earlier March, when we had heard that discussions around the lifting of the twenty five percent tariffs on Scotch whiskey into the U.S. would be punted down to August, the Biden administration pulled a rabbit out of their hat and were able to 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 get. A lifting of those tariffs, at least on a temporary basis of, of four months. So who knows, you know, uh, who knows what agreement we might be able to come to between the U.S. and and our, our partner European Union countries to maybe get them to, to lift it in that, in that, you know, 12th hour. Well, and if anything's going to get the attention of minority Senate leader, it's going to be something this significant impacting his home state. Only time will tell, Jason. Gosh, so interesting to be sitting clock watching again. <laughs> I'm tired then, of it. Fucking hell. And, and, you know, for our own plans as well. What mm. does it mean for us sending US sourced product under the single cast nation label? tell you exactly what it does to us. It puts a halt on all of the plans that we had or planned to have until we see this go away. Is this affecting American single malts going overseas that's or is it just yeah, um, no, American that's, bourbons? That's, that's my understanding is that it's American spirits, right? So rum, bourbon, rye, single malt, brandy. Yeah. 50%. Gosh. Okay. Well, there's a there's a couple of pieces there. We're we're definitely revisiting themes that have been with us mm-hmm. for the for over a year now, and now we're starting to see the repercussions. That's why I asked you to to revisit those kind of fiscal statements yeah. coming in. Um, you know, that's why we're looking at this. 50, was it 50 or 55% revenue loss in 2020? 55%. Yep, 55%, 55% revenue loss. Like, we're starting to see... Do you have this expression over here, the chickens coming home to roost? We do. Yeah, we do. 
There you go. You have rural communities in America. And so that that's what we're seeing. These chickens are coming home to roost where shit that hit the fan in 2020 had repercussions as we knew they would. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing the extent of those repercussions. And we can clearly see if we don't get direct consumer shipping, if we don't get relief on tariffs, mm-hmm. there are going to be continued repercussions that are going to continue to impact distillers, producers who are clearly on their knees currently. The last thing I'll say, think about how an increased tariff on American whiskeys, especially the larger brands, could affect some Scottish bottlers. You know, we, we know for a fact that there is bourbon being bottled in Scotland for the European market. You know, what, what is that going to do to some larger producers, that larger bourbon producers that are sending the bulk spirit over to Scotland to be bottled there, to be sold within, you know, European countries? That's going to affect the Scottish business. There's also a particular style of cask used in maturation. What do you do when you reduce your volumes of distillation and you reduce your volumes of maturation? You have fewer ex-bourbon casks going to Scotland for maturation. If we keep going this way, right? (laughs) And that's exactly my point, right? Repercussions. There are always unintended consequences. Always. What's... What's, what's the best line? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Here we are. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end this, I think. There you go. If you have any interest in reaching us, drop us an email, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. No E in whiskey. Never. Other than that, we'll get out of here. We'll try and keep this to a tight, a tight edit in post in the hands of the Whiskey Cherub. Until next time, keep supporting your American producers as best you can. Go looking for them. Help them out. Gosh, do, do they need it? That so, they do. Cheers, Joshua. Cheers, Jason. Cheers, dear listeners. We're out of here. Bong. <laughs> <laughs>